Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday night edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. Uh, I was out of town Tuesday, had to drive back uh, this morning, so that's why you're getting an evening podcast instead of a morning one. I hope all of you can forgive me for that. Got playoff basketball going on right now uh, on the TV, a close one with uh, Boston and Toronto. And NFL football back tomorrow, uh, or probably today, as most of you are listening to this. Really excited for the start of NFL football season. Once again, this is The Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. Follow me on Twitter if you like, uh, at Michael Borky. I occasionally have the good tweet, so find me there. Follow me on there. NFL season starting tomorrow, uh, or today. Um, I'm thrilled about that. And we get this question all the time because of the way that the climate is right now. It seems like you can't turn anywhere in sports and you don't get some kind of statement or advocacy or something like that. In the Memphis-Arkansas State game this past weekend, uh, you had the announcers go on for, oh man, 10, 15 minutes probably in a relatively close game, not even addressing what was going on on the field just giving their opinions on on the current climate. I'm not going to do that today. Don't worry. Before you turn this off, I'm not going to do that uh, at all. But uh, Tom Hart yesterday uh, on our radio show, even though I was off, uh, he was a guest on the show, and uh, he said something really good, uh, basically saying nobody cares what Tom Hart thinks about what's going on right now. That's what he said. Uh, he spoke in the third person as well, but he said nobody cares about what Tom Hart thinks about what's going on right now. And he is so, so very right. And none of you care about what I think about what's going on right now. Really, you come to this for sports opinions. You watch a, a broadcast for the the play-by-play guy and the analyst's thoughts on the game. You don't go to these to hear their opinions, these guys that you don't even really care about. I mean, the vast majority of game broadcasters, you don't really care who they are, let alone what they think about certain things. There's very few, especially in college, broadcast teams that are actually adding anything to the game. I think Fowler and Herbstreet, when they were together, uh, I think they add to the game. I actually like Joe Tessitore. I know some people don't. I think he adds to the game. Uh, Most of them don't. But when something goes on, and I I think you should expect something to happen, whether it be a statement or or, uh, phrases on helmets or jerseys or something like that, they can acknowledge that it existed, but not go any further. And uh, apparently, at least on the NFL side of things, uh, broadcasts have been told that if something happens to address it, but to not uh, give opinion and opine over the current uh, social climate. So hopefully that holds true, uh, because I'm really excited for the football. And we get asked all the time, uh, and I got it a couple of times today, you know, how can you watch the NFL when when they're giving political statements and stuff like that? And this is what I always tell people. And maybe this helps you, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Um, 
I love football. I especially love NFL football. I think the quality of plays is better than college. So unless it's a game like I'm invested in on the college side, as a casual fan, I'd rather watch an NFL game. I think the game is played better. So if there's statements or anything like that, if it gets political, how can I still watch? I'm asked all the time. And quite simply, I say, I love football. And I don't care about really anybody else's opinion on politics or anything else like that. I've got too much in my own life to worry about, uh, to care about what people who I I, I will never meet or, or who I will never really talk to and who aren't running for office of any kind, what their opinions are politically. So I just I just ignore it. It doesn't bother me. Um, if you don't want to see people kneeling for the anthem, the good news is most of the broadcasts don't really show it. Um, other than that, I, I don't let it bother me because, like I've said, on, I think on this podcast before, I listen to music that is done by bands uh, who have political views that I really strongly disagree with. But I love the music, so I'm going to keep consuming it. I'm not going to let the actions or the, the opinions of football players deter me from doing something that I enjoy. And I enjoy watching football. Um, I have always maintained that I think it's better to avoid statements, really, at all, uh, when it comes to sports or or my job or anything like that. It's best to just not go down that road, but right now they feel like they need to. Uh, if you disagree with it, I would say just ignore it because you've probably always had political opinions or otherwise social opinions that are different than the guys on the field. Now, if they're outspoken about it, I guess I, I certainly see why, why it would turn you off. But um, I just choose to ignore it because I'm not going to let that kind of thing stop me from doing what I love, and that's watching ball. Maybe you disagree with that, and that's okay. That's just I get asked that all the time. In fact, I got asked that where I was uh, out of town on Tuesday. Uh, and that's my answer. I just I just don't care. Uh, I choose not to let somebody else's view or action stop me from doing something uh, that I enjoy. And that's watching football. So maybe that hurt. Maybe that helped. I have no idea. Uh, that's just how I feel. Let's talk old Miss. But first, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you every single day by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. Best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Uh, Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you here uh, from Super Talk, from the Rebel Report. Uh, Get one of their daily lunch specials or get something for you to put on the grill. Uh, Like I keep telling you, football is coming. NFL is here. College football is creeping up on us. You've got some Power 5 or... Really, Power 3 games coming up this weekend. Weather should be nice. Talking in the 80s this weekend. So, go by LB's. Just across from Kroger, University Avenue. See Greg. Tell him we sent you. Get something for the grill this weekend. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your football, but get your weekend started with LB's. Two things I want to get to with you tonight. Number one, it's kind of old news at this point, but I still got to talk about it. I wish I would have been able to do this this morning. Would have been a little bit more relevant. Sam Williams. Uh, Something that I talked about, I think, last week, or was it two weeks ago, um, that there was optimism around the facility that he was going to be able to rejoin the team very soon. And as it turns out, uh, that is absolutely the case. Uh, Sam Williams had his charges. Uh, I saw... Uh, dismissed, I saw dropped. Either way, they no longer exist for Sam Williams, and he has rejoined the team for practice. I've got some audio from Lane Kiffin 
uh, to play uh, on that front coming up here in a little bit. But uh, it, it can't be overstated how massive that news really is for Ole Miss, that Sam Williams uh, is going to be able to rejoin the team and play. Uh, even if he wasn't able to work out, uh, he's still Ole Miss's best defensive player, and there's still plenty of time for him to get ready in physical shape uh, for the season to begin. He's got just under three weeks now. Uh, he'll be able to get relatively game ready and get up to speed uh, by the time Florida comes to town here in a little bit. But as it turns out, even Lane Kiffin touched on it some Uh, Apparently, he's been working out. Not with the team, because he wasn't allowed to. uh, But apparently, he has been working out uh, with somebody there uh, around town, uh, keeping him football ready so when he rejoins practice, he would still be in good enough shape. You can't replicate actual football practice without actually going through it, but the fact that he's been working out, uh, apparently as hard as he has been, the transition from not practicing to practicing won't be... Uh, all that difficult uh, compared to if he was just sitting on the couch waiting for this thing uh, to work out. And it indeed, it has. And that's why, like I said, when this news broke, uh, everybody needs to be given uh, the benefit of innocence until proven guilty. Yes, you have to suspend him from team activities. You have to do that. That's, that's standard practice. But Ole Miss did the right thing by not dismissing him from the team if the facts were uh, either non-existent or ambiguous or whatever. Uh, let the legal system run its course. Ole Miss was able to do that, uh, and now they get their best defensive player back. And uh, like I keep saying, Ole Miss has a handful of toss-up games on the schedule. You've got a toss-up game, presumably with Mississippi State, with Kentucky. Uh, there's, uh, I, I would even, Texas A&M has a better roster than Ole Miss, but we'll see uh, what that is like. Um, Ole Miss has a handful of toss-up games on the schedule. And I think a guy like Sam Williams is the difference between a win and a loss on that schedule. Um, Kentucky, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, maybe Auburn, maybe LSU, those kind of games. I, I think Sam Williams is a plus win impact on that football team. I think he has the potential of being that good. I know he only, I say only, he had six sacks a year ago, nine and a half tackles for loss. But he's also underrated in the run game as well. I mean, most people look at him as just a a pass rushing specialist. I heard a couple of national guys, more like regional SEC type guys, call him a pass rush specialist. He's pretty, pretty darn good against the run as well. Um, when you watch him, you see the physical tools of an NFL player. And I think you see a guy that on a defense that's going to be young, thin, and struggling, uh, a guy, adding a guy like him back to that defense is a plus in the W column somewhere. I think he's that impactful and has that much of a difference. So this is a huge deal for Ole Miss to get him back. With the timing that they get him back, enough time to get ready in game shape for Florida. Seems to be healthy, seems to be in shape. Uh, I think this is a huge deal for that defense that is really just needing bodies on the defensive line. A lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. Now you get to plug back in a veteran who has done it, who has serious upside NFL potential. It, it, it cannot be overstated how big of a deal that is for Ole Miss. And like I've said like four times now, but I, I truly believe it. I think he's a plus in the W column. That's the kind of impact he has somewhere in one of these games. He is that much of a difference maker 
So it is a huge, huge deal uh, for Ole Miss to get uh, to get Sam back. And he has uh, already joined the team, so already back to practice, and uh, they are off and running. Let's turn the page now to point number two. Lane Kiffin met with the media, and um, I said this on the radio a while ago, and I guess I, I was dead wrong. In fact, I was. A lot of people love uh, Lane Kiffin on Twitter and like the national interviews that he does. He's very witty and, and funny and engaging. Um, typically, I found in local interviews, he's much more subdued, but really insightful. And so I've got a couple of cuts from his uh, most recent press conference um, and a few answers he's got. So I'll go through each cut and then uh, we'll talk about the answer after that. But just really... Honest, insightful, very lacking in coach speak type answers that we get from Lane Kiffin. And so we'll start with uh, his answer on Sam Williams uh, right off the gate. Uh, Here's what Kiffin had to say about the return of his defensive end slash linebacker, whatever they want to call him. Um, So here that is. Yeah, um, from my knowledge, uh, Sam had been working out. He had not been working out with us because he was away from all team activities. Uh, So but we did see him a little bit and um, worked him in yesterday. And so obviously he's got a ways to go, but you know, you can see why, I mean, really that's our first time with him with no spring ball. So uh, you can see flashes of why he's, he's, you know, showed to be a really good player at times. All right. Not a whole lot there that I just figured I would play that for you. Now here's uh Kiffin's, he, they had a scrimmage on Saturday. Here's thoughts on that. And the number of players they had out um, for the scrimmage, in part due to COVID and otherwise. So here's Lane Kiffin talking scrimmage and players being out uh, for that or injury. Update from this weekend. Uh, scrimmage format again. Tackled for half of it. You know, played some more snaps. I think a lot of guys played about 45, 50 snaps. Um which was up from the week before, just trying to continue to get closer to game time. Uh, now we were down a number of people. You know, we had 27 guys out, either injury or COVID-related. So that was challenging. Um, and unfortunately, you don't have threes. So, um, you know, a lot of guys had to play a lot of snaps, and some guys didn't get to play as much as we'd like because of that, because of certain positions. So... <clears throat> Uh, it was a defensive-dominated um, day, which was good, you know, because it had been the other way. So that's good to see. Um, you know, I think there was four turnovers. Um, you know, we're down to we – we're like 10% on third down. So it's obviously great for defense, not good for offense. All right, I'll cut it uh, – I'll cut it right there. Um, 27 guys out. If that sounds like a lot, it's well, it's because it is. Uh, but Tennessee recently uh, dealt with a, a similar thing where ESPN initially reported that they had 44 guys out because of COVID. And as it turns out, that was actually not the case. They had 44 total players out, but uh, they only had eight positive COVID tests in a few that they were holding out. Uh, not more than a few, but uh, in the 20s that they were holding out. Uh, because of contact tracing. Uh, the rest were injuries or something else. So a very misleading story from ESPN that, uh, of course, gets a hell of a lot more run than any kind of correction or clarification. It was not 44. It was more like what Ole Miss is dealing with in the 20s. Lane Kiffin also mentioned 
that uh, they're getting a handful of defensive backs or they got a handful of defensive backs uh, back this week and they expect more uh, from the offensive line to do the same here uh, very soon. Um, I, I do find it uh, funny, by the way, that uh, media guys can't quite figure out how to mute themselves uh, when they're not asking a question. I mean, how hard is it to just, to just put your Zoom on mute when you're not asking a question while you're shuffling around for some reason during a press conference? But anyway, um, uh, this... And everything you've seen, I think the Big 12 now has three games that have been uh, postponed that were supposed to be played this weekend. Uh, the timing of all of these COVID outs for Ole Miss is good in a sense that they can hopefully, for them, return to practice before the first game. There's plenty of time for them to be able to do that. Uh, the SEC's plan looks better and better as the Big 12 is trying to start two weeks before the SEC like they are this week, and they've had three games postponed. I don't think Ole Miss would have their game postponed. In fact, I know they wouldn't because um, they would still play uh, with 27 guys out as long as they can put 53 guys on the field. I mean, that's what other leagues are doing. I imagine they're going to be or going to be similar, but there's a better chance that they're going to be at full strength, whereas the Big 12 is dealing with postponements and one cancellation uh, right now. So the SEC looks very smart. Uh, I still think not being able to test out of quarantine is absurd, um, especially considering the rate of false positives. And I think the the CDC dropping their uh, isolation period from 14 to 10 days is something that the SEC should follow. If the Center for Disease Control is saying that it's 10 days instead of 14, uh, you should follow suit. That's just uh, my opinion. But again, plenty of time for Ole Miss to get healthy in that regard uh, for... Uh, to be able to play Florida at as full strength as possible. So the next cut here from Lane Kiffin is um, on cross-training. He was asked about and gave an interesting answer about getting uh, looks uh, or offensive guys prepared to play defense if need be. If there's going to be this many guys out with COVID, they might need some guys to play both sides of the ball or some backups on offense to learn how to play defense. So he was asked about that. And here was his answer. That has been an issue. We are actually taking our next walkthrough coming up. Um, and we're going to flip the entire skill groups. So, you know, the thought is you don't know who would really switch, you know, because you don't know where you're going to get hit. Um, so we're actually going to take a full day where all of our skill on offense and defense will flip, go to a defensive meeting, offensive meeting, install some base concepts and go out and do a walkthrough with them on the other sides just so they could get familiar with the basics of the offense and the defense in case we had to move someone. And also just kind of give those coaches a chance to work with them one day and see how they process information also. It's just a uh, sign of the times there. Uh, It's crazy to think about, but because of the way these guys are tested and contact traced and if you have even if you test negative five times in a row, if you've had some kind of close contact with somebody who had it, then you've got to isolate um, yourself. Um, it's an overbearing policy. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the reality of the situation. So they're literally having to have walkthroughs where they try to teach the defense to the offensive players and vice versa. That's crazy, but at least there's some foresight there. And uh, um, it's smart. 
it's unfortunate that they got to spend practice time doing it, but do do you want to be ready and, and play a season or not in this uh, weird year? This is what they have to do. Um, we could have rules and protocols that make a little bit more sense, but we do not. Therefore, this is the adjustment uh, that has to be made. Next, uh, on Otis Reese, a lot of people are, are curious about uh, him and his availability for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin was asked about that. Uh, the Georgia transfer that transferred in January and has yet to find out uh, if he's going to be eligible to play or not. Lane Kiffin was asked about that, and here was his answer. Um, <clears throat> we have not heard a final thing on Otis. Um, all that was turned in a while ago, and so we are waiting um, to hear that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of anticipation around that. He's one of our better players on our entire team. Would definitely be a starter for us and significant player. So obviously we hope that that goes well. Um, Leonard really has looked even better maybe than we would have thought. Um, you know, looks every bit like an NFL player, um, very long, can run, um, great length. And, you know, you know, that would be, you know, that's another, it's kind of unique to be sitting waiting on waivers with, with such significant players. Um, so, Hopefully get some good news. The Leonard he's referring to there is Dean Leonard, the uh, transfer uh, from Canada, the the defensive back. Um, And that one should be a no-brainer. I mean, this is what's so head-scratching about the NCAA, just what doesn't make any freaking sense at all, aside from incompetence or corruption. This is a kid uh, who transferred from Canada because their season got shut down to Ole Miss. If you remember, another player uh, transferred from a college in Canada to Ole Miss and has been granted his eligibility, but the other one has not, and they were around the same time. And again, Otis Reese is waiting, uh, has been waiting since January. This is, it's crazy that they're still waiting this long. I'm a broken record, but this is a huge story, and it doesn't get enough played nationally for some reason that the lack of consistency or anything with transfers, and in this case, uh, we're inside of three weeks until the season begins, and there is a transfer uh, from January that still doesn't know whether or not he'll be able to play. Um, Lane Kiffin said he hopes, and it's just hope, that they're going to get some kind of word this week. Um it, the, the fact that it's just taken this long is just so not fair to the kid. At the end of the day, that's really who gets hurt here uh, is the kid and uh, a potential starter in the SEC. And Lane Kiffin also pointed out in this press conference, I don't have it cut for you, but this is a free year. I mean, they're basically, like he said, they're getting doubly punished, but this is a free year. The NCAA has already decided this year doesn't count for anyone. So why the hell are you, at this point, are you still holding kids out? It's a unique year. Use this as your reason to provide transfers. The one-time penalty-free transfer thing's going to happen soon anyway, but you've told everybody this season doesn't count for anyone. So why are you holding anybody out? It's too late to have any kind of free agency transfer situation going on. It's too late. Everybody's been enrolled in school, probably past the drop, phase and stuff like that it doesn't make any sense at all which is par for the course for the NCAA and you've got two players now that according to Lane Kiffin as you just heard would be getting significant playing time one of which 
has a no-brainer transfer coming from a place that canceled their season. Um, and that should be done by now. And you've got this. It's just absurd. Um, it really is uh, just absurd uh, what they're dealing with right now. But again, par for the course. And uh, I just I hate it. Uh, hate it for these kids. Uh, final cut for you. Uh, Navy, as you guys saw on Monday night, uh, was not prepared to play a season. I thought it was crazy that uh, just uh, so out front Ken Niamatololo was about how they didn't tackle, they didn't block, they only hit dummies and sleds. Um, and so out and open about that to the broadcast team in the days leading up to the game that he thought his team wasn't physically prepared to play a football game. And they went out there and they got smoked and they showed that that was absolutely true. Lane Kiffin was asked about that really good question uh, and an insightful answer here from Lane Kiffin on a, a situation like that that you saw um, from Navy in their game against BYU and how you navigate trying to stay safe with COVID and numbers and stuff like that and prepare your team for a season. Yes, in a way, I kind of had a little bit of practice um, with the sanctions at USC when our numbers were, you know, so far down. So, you know, I think I made a mistake that year, you know, after a really good year there, um, even though our numbers were really low because of the sanctions and only being able to sign 15 guys, you know, we didn't tackle, you know, and didn't do the same practice formats, you know, and then we went out and, and played really poorly that year. Um, so, um, we've, we've tackled like we normally do. Um, and practice like we normally do um, for those reasons. So, I mean, doesn't do any good to stay healthy. If we're out there and we can't tackle on game day. So, you know, we, we've been doing everything as normal. Yeah, and again, Navy was a great uh, example of that. And if there's another program out there that is not engaging in much of the physical side of the game, uh, maybe what Navy did will uh, change their minds on that. I saw a lot of people talk about NFL training camp in that uh, there's very little uh, full-on tackling and stuff in, in NFL training camp. And yeah, they probably don't bring each other to the ground all that much. Uh, I said probably. I know they don't. But they still are, are physical. The way Niamatololo laid this out is they barely did any like offensive line versus defensive line drills or anything like that. It was mostly sleds and dummies. And the NFL is the best of the best type of players. They don't need that kind of work in the same way that college football players do, most of which are not going to be playing professionally. It's a different thing. And I, I put this on Twitter. It, it was almost dangerous uh, the way Navy prepared for that game. And you saw with the way BYU just physically just beat the brakes off of them. Uh, that they weren't physically prepared for a game. And so Kiffin's approach is the right one. Uh, at the end of the day, you, you have to get prepared to play football. I mean, I know numbers are down and COVID has screwed things up, but uh, what's the point of getting to the first game healthy if you're going to get your ass kicked on the field? I mean, it doesn't matter. Physically, you've got to get ready to play, and it sounds like he learned uh, his lesson uh, elsewhere when he had brutal sanctions from uh, previous coaching staff. Uh on his program, and they had really small numbers. They had to reduce to 15 scholarships instead of 25 a year, and uh, he learned from that. And Ken Niamatololo at Navy has also learned from that. But uh, 
At the end of the day, football is football, and it's a physical game, and you have to do it, and you have to practice to get yourselves ready to play. So uh, at least you know that Ole Miss is um, at least physical, doing uh, the best they can to actually get prepared to play uh, a season. I would love for that question to be asked uh, of everybody else in the SEC and and get what their answers are as far as uh, preparation for camp. Uh, in spite of the issue with contact tracing and, and the quarantine days and stuff like that. Still got to get ready to play. And uh, it sounds like Ole Miss is uh, is doing just that. So, yeah, uh, that was a little bit of, uh, of Lane Kiffin, uh, again, after practice. Some insightful answers there. Uh, he said Matt Corral took all the reps with the ones because John Rice Plumley is out with a, a little bit uh, of a hamstring tweak, I believe. But... Um, as I understand it, and as most people around the program are talking, um, uh, Matt Corral has separated himself. So we will see. Uh, of course, there's still a few weeks, I guess, uh, between now and the first game. But all signs are pointing to Matt Corral being the starting quarterback uh, at Ole Miss. Makes you wonder what kind of role Plumley's going to have, if he's going to take all of his staff still at quarterback, if Lane Kiffin's uh, willing to use a second quarterback in certain situations or if they're going to ask Plumley to do some other things in the offense. Uh, that remains to be seen, but uh, that is still the word coming out uh, there uh, from campus that Matt Corral is, uh, is the guy that's probably going to start. And uh, we'll see what he's got when Florida comes to town here in just a few weeks. So uh, good stuff there from Lane. Again, sorry the podcast has been late tonight. Uh, don't forget to stop by LB's and see Greg and tell him we sent you uh, free money, by the way. And watch, this is going to totally be wrong because I said this. Um, but according to Warren Sharp, a guy that does a, a preview magazine, also has a website, uh, the most analytical analysis of the NFL that you can find uh, compared this offseason to 2011 when the NFL had a lockout and uh, camp and stuff and, and all that kind of was similar to what you're seeing right now. It was an irregular offseason going into the year, and especially early, you saw a lot of overs hit. Something about the inconsistency of the offseason led to early offense. There was um, an atypical amount of overs hit in the 2011 season with the weird offseason and the lockout and stuff like that. He thinks, and he's a brilliant NFL mind and very analytical, that in 2020... You're going to see the same thing in the NFL. So when you're watching this game tonight, when you see uh, this line, which is Kansas City, it's minus nine. Kansas City minus nine at home against the Texans and an over-under of 54.5. If this year's anything like 2011, overs are your play, especially early in the season. Take that for what that's worth. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to take the Texans, though. I'm going to take the Texans plus the nine over 54.5 for my first pick uh, of the college football season on this podcast, at least. So uh, there's some free money for you uh, if you fade me. Uh, so anyway, go by LBC Greg. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. I really, really appreciate all of you continuing to listen and making this podcast grow. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, riding solo here. Uh, on this one. So I appreciate you guys tuning in as always, and I will talk to you again on Friday morning this time. Uh, I promise. Have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.